Um, this morning, we are going to be in Ephesians uh, chapter 2. So if you want to grab a Bible, if you didn't bring one with you, there should be one in a seat back in front of you, and you should be able to just open up to the bookmark that's in that Bible, uh, and that'll get you right to Ephesians 2. If you don't own a Bible or you just think bookmarks are cool, you're welcome to take the Bible, the bookmark, all the whole thing. That's an Easter gift for you. And while you're turning there, um, I need to thank a lot of people because this is one of those weekends where a lot of people do a lot to make this weekend happen. So everybody who has been involved with this weekend, everybody who helped out with Good Friday, all the readers, um, the band putting in extra time with, with worship, not only on Friday, but this morning, um, everybody who helped with uh, writing out the lists and stuff that's been on the walls. Uh, Leslie Rico made all the art. Um, everybody that's serving in Grace Place, there are so many different people. Everybody who came on set yesterday to help clean and get the place ready. Like This is the kind of weekend where uh, I'm so thrilled and proud to be part of this church and the amount of people who just want to serve and help and love this community. So thank you, everybody who helped make this weekend happen. Thank you um, so very, very much. Um, this morning, as we've said multiple times, we are here to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We celebrate freedom we celebrate life we celebrate the greatness of the person and work of jesus we celebrate the supremacy of jesus the reality that no other man no other religion no other spiritual notion can do what jesus did and what jesus does jesus changes everything he changed the way we track the years he changed the way that art has been viewed and created throughout history he changes how people interact with one another with the world and with god jesus changes everything and this morning you are going to have the opportunity to be changed by jesus to respond to the reality that christ changes everything by accepting the free gift of grace being offered to you through jesus in his death and resurrection let's pray Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this community, for this opportunity to worship you, to celebrate you, to enjoy you. God, we showed up today for a variety of reasons, but number one among them is because we want to hear from you. We want to engage with you. So, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us this morning. God, as I preach, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be glorifying to you. We pray these things because Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. All right, I'm going to read Ephesians 2, and then we'll come back and talk about it. So Ephesians 2, starting in verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. I am not breaking any news here this morning by telling you that we live in a fallen, broken world. It is a world that is polluted with all forms of evil and sin and hate 
and the consequences of those things. Paul actually says it's much worse and much more personal personal than all of that. In these opening verses of Ephesians 2, Paul said that we are dead in our trespasses and sins, that we walked following Satan, and by nature we are children of the wrath of God. Dead, Satan-following objects of God's wrath. Put that in your Easter basket. That's us. Now, why in the world would that be how I want to start this sermon? Why in the world would we want to talk about it? Why bring that up on a day like today? Why in the world would that be the thing we focus on? Well, for one, the Bible did it. I didn't do it. I just read it. But for two, while I already said this morning, today is not about what was, but about what is and about what has been new. We still got to talk about where we came from. We have to, while we don't want to dwell on it this morning, we do have to talk about it because part of what makes Sunday so good, part of what makes what happened on that Sunday so awesome is what happened on Good Friday. And the pain and the darkness that was Good Friday makes Sunday all the more brighter. Paul says here at the end of verse 3, all of these things that we were, we were these things by nature. This is who we are by nature. Forget your background, forget your upbringing, forget your education, your advantages or disadvantages you had throughout life. Before all of that, the out-of-the-box default wiring of our hearts and souls is rebel and enemy against God. Sin entered the world and has corrupted it on all fronts, including our humanity. Paul says in another letter in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are all sinners. We have all fallen short. We are all by nature dead Satan-following objects of God's wrath. It is a helpless, hopeless state. It is the problem all of mankind has been dealing with since Adam and Eve bit into that fruit. It is the problem of evil. It is the reality that mankind is not inherently good or kind. And because of that, we are at odds with, on the other side of the spectrum, from the holy, righteous, perfect, good God that made all of everything and holds all of everything in his hands. But notice in these opening verses of Ephesians 2. Notice when Paul talks about these things. The, the language that he uses, because he speaks about these things in the past tense. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You once walked following Satan. We were, by nature, objects of God's wrath. But then something happened. Something changed. For the people Paul is writing to, something is different. Something has changed. And the thing that changed, the thing that happened, is right there at the beginning of verse 4. It's a phrase, probably my favorite phrase in all of the Bible. The first two verses of verse, first two words of verse 4. What are they? Yell them out. But God. It's so quick. It's so simple that we blow past it. Yet in those two words, this phrase is dripping with theological implications for our existence now and for our eternity. It happens repeatedly throughout the Bible, throughout history. God's people rebel. They choose themselves over each other. They choose themselves over God. The Israelites decide over and over again they know best and they turn their backs on God. And in doing so, everything good, everything prosperous comes crashing down around them. And when it seems like all hope is lost, when it seems like the credits are going to roll and the bad guys are going to win, but God, 
But God steps in. But God redeems. But God restores and forgives and does what no one and nothing else can. We were dead following after Satan and condemned but God. But God is rich in mercy, excessively full of mercy, ever increasing, never depleting in mercy, steadfast love, unconditional love, loving kindness. That's what that word mercy is. He is rich in it. And he has such a great love to go along with that rich, never-ending mercy. He has such a great love for us that God himself stepped in. God himself made a way that he fixed what was broken. Yes, we were dead walking after Satan and objects of God's wrath, but God. And Paul says, this is who you were, but now look at who you are. Because yes, we were dead. But in verse 5, it says we are made alive together with Christ. Because of the resurrection, death doesn't have the final word anymore. It is no longer something for Christians to fear because they know beyond death is eternity with their Savior. We were walking after Satan. And then verse 6, we are raised up and seated with Christ. Now what does that mean? Because... We aren't sitting with Christ in heaven right now. No, not physically at this moment, but if you have put your faith in the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, you've got a seat saved for you. Your identity, your position, your very essence is wrapped up with Christ. So what is his is yours. He sits enthroned in heaven. And spiritually, that's where we are. And one day, we'll sit with him. Your identity is tied to Christ. We were objects of God's wrath. And then in verse 7, we receive grace and kindness in Christ Jesus. Instead of receiving the punishment for our sins that we deserve, instead of being the subject of the wrath of God, we instead receive his grace, getting what we don't deserve, and his kindness. The grace and kindness and compassion of God is immeasurable, Paul says, unlimited. He will not run out of it. We will be able to enjoy it now and for eternity to come. Do you see the reason we are alive? The reason we are raised up and seated and receiving kindness and receiving grace. The scarlet thread that holds it all together is Jesus. It's him and his death and his resurrection. That's how we are made alive. That's how we find a new direction. That's how we get what we don't deserve, this grace that Paul talks about. He actually says it twice for the people who weren't paying attention the first time in verse 5. He says, by grace you have been saved. And then he repeats himself again in verse 8, where he says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. It's so important, we put it on the wall. Your eternity, if your faith is in Christ, your eternity and your eternal standing with God depends on the abundant, never-ending, ever-flowing grace and mercy of Jesus. He won't run out of it. He won't hold back some of it. He won't ration it out in doses. No, he gives of this mercy, this love, this kindness, this grace, freely and completely, all of it, to those who would admit their need for him, believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose from the dead, and choose him to be your Lord and Savior. The work has been done. 
Jesus said as much as he hung in agony on the cross. It is finished, he cried out. The payment for our sins, the death that was necessary, the justice that was found at the cross means that things are different now. For those who have put their faith in Christ, for them there is now no condemnation, no guilt, no shame. Those things are gone. They're done with. They're dead and buried, never to have to deal with them again. And all of this happens, and it has nothing to do with you and me. It's not because of how great we are. It's not because of how kind we are. It's not because of the things that we have done or the things we want to do. It's because, it's because of what Christ has already done. It's because he went to the cross. His perfection was executed on that day. It's because he shed his blood, because he gave up his life, and he paid the penalty that you and I deserved. He hung on that cross in our place as our sacrifice and substitute. And the emphatic declarative statement that his sacrifice was accepted, that we can be made alive in Christ, that the wrath of God was satisfied and justice was fully once and for all carried out, was a rolled away stone, an empty tomb, and some linens folded in the corner. It's not about you and me. Our salvation is not dependent upon our impressiveness, and thanks be to God that it isn't. That's what Paul says there in verse 9. That God took the work on himself so that no one may boast. Because he knew if salvation was dependent on us, if it was ultimately just a spiritual checklist we had to work our way through, people like me would be consumed by it. And once we achieved it, once we checked all the boxes, we would walk around and say, look how great I am. Look at all the good stuff I've done. How impressive am I? I didn't need anybody else. Instead, God says, no, no, I got this. And in doing so, it means that we are all equal, regardless of your background, regardless of your education, regardless of where you live, who you are, what you have gone through. This grace, this mercy, this love is available to everyone and anyone. God takes it out of our hands takes the temptation for spiritual self-righteousness away and puts all of the work and all of the glory on himself. He eliminates the chance for us to boast in our salvation because truly the only thing we contribute to the equation is the sin that required Jesus to go to the cross in the first place. He takes care of everything else. The resurrection takes what was dead what was stuck following Satan, what was broken and ruined, and it makes all things new. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. New life has come. New hope has come. It's not on its way. It's not maybe going to get here in a couple of days. It's not, yes, it'll definitely get there in two days with free shipping. No, it's here. The new has already come. Christ has already taken care of it. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, your identity is not wrapped up in the sins that you have committed or the sins that have been committed against you. That's what was. That's not what is. What is is new. You are a new creation. And through the resurrection, everything changes. Where death put a period the resurrection puts a comma. Where sin declares condemnation, the resurrection declares justification. 
Where fear breeds darkness, the resurrection shines a great light. Where shame produces isolation, the resurrection produces incorporation. Where guilt weighs you down and tells you you're not worthy, you're not good enough, and it stops you in your tracks, the resurrection relieves the burden and says, go, run, be free, live into this new life. Because Jesus is worthy. He is worthy, worthy, worthy is he. And he's the only one. The resurrection points us to Jesus and reminds us of the debt has been paid, the battle has been won, and the victorious Jesus sits now on his throne in heaven and welcomes you into the family of God. The resurrection can change everything. But I realize that for some of you this morning, it hasn't. This idea of being a dead follower of Satan, an object of God's wrath, for some of you this morning, it's not a past tense thing. It's a present tense. It's where you're at right now, but that doesn't have to be the case this morning. Today can be that day for you. Today can be that but God day for you. Today can be that day that you look back on weeks, years, months decades from now and say I was headed down one path I was one way but God stepped in and changed everything for me so I told you this morning I'm going to give you that opportunity to be changed by Jesus in a moment I'm going to pray and as I pray if you would like to put your faith in the life death burial and resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins if you're tired of being one way and want this new life that God is offering to you today If you would like to become a child of God and changed by him this morning, I invite you. I'm going to pray, and I invite you to pray the words I pray. You can do it in your head. God knows your heart. He knows what he's already doing in your heart and soul this morning. He hears and knows those prayers. So let's pray. God, on this Easter, I admit I need you. I confess my sins to you. I confess my self-righteousness to you. I confess that I have lived thinking I knew better than you and I'm tired of it and I need you. I believe Jesus died for my sins and rose again. And I thank you for the great love and grace and mercy that was shown to me. I believe it is through Jesus alone that I can be saved. God, I trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins and I choose for him to be not only my Savior but my Lord and King. If that's you this morning, if you prayed that prayer this morning, in a couple of minutes, the band's going to come up and play. I'm going to be in the back. If you prayed that prayer this morning, if today is your but God day, I'm going to be in the back. And I'd love to pray with you and just walk with you. Because what happened this morning, if if you pray that prayer, if you believe that, if, if today is your but God day, if today is that day for you, everything is changed. There is something that God is doing in you. And I'd love to be a resource and help to you in any way possible. So while the band plays, you can just come back and come in the back and find me. We were rebels and enemies against God by nature. We were stuck, helpless and hopeless, ill-deserving and undeserving. But God loves you so much, he sent his son to die for you. Yes, Sin is real and rampant. Yes, it can be hard to see past the mess and the ugliness that we endure on a daily basis. But God 
is love. But God is grace. But God is mercy. But God is just. But God is holy. But God is helpful. But God sees you. But God hears you. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But God raised him from the dead. But God is for you. And this morning is calling you to respond to the powerful, life-changing work of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you for who you are. Among those things, you are never changing, so we know that you are good, and you're good all the time. We know you're holy all the time. We know you're just, you're righteous. God, you are good. There is none like you, no, not one. God, we celebrate this morning that the stone was rolled away, that the grave was empty. That Jesus is alive, never to die again. That he conquered sin, that he conquered death, that he conquered the grave, that he conquered hell. That all of these things, the brokenness of the world is being renewed and redeemed and restored. And one day, hurt and pain and suffering and injury and all these things that are plagued by in this world, they will be no more. That there's this day coming where, that we can hold on to where we get to be with you and you will take care of us and we will want and need for nothing. And God, as we wait for that day, we wait longingly, we wait expectantly, but we wait living into the new life you have given to us. The reality that we are no longer bound and have to be stuck in our ways, stuck following after Satan, stuck following being objects of your wrath but rather we can choose to live into the new life, the resurrected life that you have given us. God, I pray that if this morning, God, I pray that this morning is a but God day for somebody. Not only here, but around our city, around our country, around this world, your people are gathered together, but not even just your people, but people who aren't your people yet, they're gathered together and they are hearing the good news proclaimed that Christ died, yes, but he is risen, risen indeed. And God, I pray that today is a but God day for some people. That today is that day you step in and you push through all the distractions, all of the hindrances, all of the excuses. You push through and soften hearts and let them know that there is grace and love and mercy to be had through the death and resurrection of your son, Jesus. God, I pray that you would move in our hearts that we would go out from here this morning renewed and refreshed by the good news that you sent your son to die for us and he rose again. That that would help us, that that would lead us to being the lights of the world you have made us to be. God, we thank you and praise you for all that you have done, all that you are doing, all that you're going to do. We thank you and praise you. Amen.